0: Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest, Darker, Dark. Episode 7 Nathan stood mesmerized as he bent over at the waist with his hands on his knees. A half-eaten slice of last night's pizza was on the concrete patio floor and seemed to be teeming with life. Small, Worm-looking creatures with no head or tail, no end or beginning, crawled over the remains of what had been mushroom and sausage with extra cheese. The little creatures seemed wet and glistened white in the early morning sun. They flowed over each other. There seemed to be hundreds on that one discarded piece of pizza. Oh, God, Debbie's voice was interrupted in amazement maggots kind of gross don't you think asked Nathan Debbie just shuddered and walked back into the house leaving Nathan to deal with the mess the idea of sitting out on the patio had been ruined to say the least it was getting late anyway both of them needed to get cleaned up and catch their snap either Mr. or Mrs. Calhoun would be there to check on them soon That was certain. They weren't going to call. Whichever one got the duty would be there unannounced. Yes, they'd let them stay there all night together. No, they weren't going to let too much time go by without doing some parently duties, namely showing up unannounced. Both were still floating, but were able to function semi-properly. Nathan held his breath, and used a spatula he'd located in one of the kitchen drawers to scoop the living piece of pizza into one of those green garbage bags. He threw the spatula in the bag too. He could hear the water running upstairs and was correct in his guess that Debbie was in the shower. As expected, there was a tat 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 on the front door. It was his mother in the door knocker. He hated seeing his parents when he'd been shooting up. The good feeling he had from floating seemed to be ruined. It was a strange feeling that he was never really able to absolutely put his finger on. In some ways, though, it felt like guilt. In other ways, it felt like paranoia. It was somewhere in between the two. Either way, it spoiled the high. He knew his eyes were half open at best and must have looked like the dudes on all those album covers in his dad's 70s record collection. Mom wouldn't notice, though. If she did, he'd just tell her that he was tired. She was easy. It was Dad that he worried about. Hey, Mom. He left the door open so she could shut it. Y'all okay, she asked. Of course, Mom. "'Okay, well, you know I had to ask. Where's Debbie?' "'She's in the shower,' he said. "'Okay, listen. We got a call last night,' she started. "'There's a couple that's coming by to look at the house this morning.' "'Already?' asked Nathan. "'Fraid so,' she responded. "'These things can go really fast sometimes.' "'Mom, why didn't you tell Debbie last night?' Well, the realtor called late, and we decide to let it wait until this morning. Why? Do you think Debbie's going to be upset? Don't know. It's kind of final. You know what I mean? Said Nathan. Yes, but it's a step she needs to take. Miss Calhoun moved her voice to a whisper as she heard the water quit running upstairs. Your father and I think the faster she puts things like the house behind her, the better. I think you're right, said Nathan. Mrs. Calhoun smiled at Nathan. There was so much to do. This was the day Debbie had to go see a therapist that the Calhouns insisted that she visit. Surprisingly, she wasn't totally against the idea. Besides, she cared for the Calhouns very much and at the very least wanted to please them. She came down the stairs dressed in jeans and a turtleneck sweater. The gold chain and heart locket had belonged to her mother and looked good against the teal green wool. Her ankle-high brown boots with the zipper on the side went well too and gave her a little height. She liked them because of that. Mrs. Calhoun hugged her as soon as she got to the bottom of the stairs and they chit-chatted as they walked to the living room and sat down on the couch. Nathan headed off to the house to get cleaned up, and Mrs. Calhoun and Debbie's conversation turned from clothes and jewelry to the upcoming day's schedule. They agreed that she didn't need to be there for the house to be shown and that it was important to keep the appointment with the therapist they had scheduled for her. You're going to like this guy, explained Mrs. Calhoun. I haven't met him, but some people at Dad's work, she always referred to her husband as Dad, recommended him highly. He's a Christian counselor. Not only is he a psychologist, but he's also a minister. Methodist, I think. Not only that, I hear he's young and very good-looking, I'm told. They both giggled, despite the fact that the last thing Debbie wanted was some Bible-thumper pushing their philosophy on her. It's not that she didn't believe in God and all that. She did. All good girls do. On the other hand, she did have questions about why something like this could happen. Maybe he could help her with that. She decided to keep her mind semi-open anyway. Anyway, it was better than going to school, which was a subject that was bound to come up eventually. She'd have the rest of the day with Nathan. This is going to be one of those days where she was allowed to stay home. Nathan rode with Miss Calhoun and Debbie to the psychologist's office. They were about 15 minutes early, but since there was no one in the waiting room, Debbie was able to go right in. She was taken by the young therapist's looks mrs calhoun had been right about that mid-30s and very fit with perfect black hair parted on the side that was cut close around the ears and gradually got longer on the top it gave the immediate impression of positiveness his cologne smelled as expensive as his comfortable office looked modern furniture that included artwork with silver frames that pictured various shapes and geometric designs in various bright, primary colors. Debbie was asked to sit wherever she wanted. She picked a large, tan leather chair in the corner of the office. The psychologist took the matching couch. He politely crossed his legs and placed his hands neatly in his lap. The gray tie he was wearing bunched at the tip where his hands were folded. Debbie, it's nice to meet you. I'm Alan Sloan. Nice to meet you, Mr. Sloan. Alan, please. Well, I hear you lost your parents on that plane that went down. She liked his direct approach. Listening to people for so long trying to be delicate had gotten old. It's got to be rough. All this talk about a bomb bringing down the plane has got to make things worse. Well, no one said for sure it's a bomb, she thought for a moment. I don't really follow all of that anyway, she said. Bomb or no bomb, they're gone, aren't they? Of course, but still, isn't it something that makes a difference to you? Not really, she said. Like I said, they're gone well, what is it that bothers you about all of this then? I'm glad you asked me that, said Debbie. The initial uneasiness of talking about something so deeply personal had started to fall away like melting chunks of ice on a spring day. Well, good. Tell me about it. Why? Ah, the why question, said Sloan. I call it the W word it's a very commonly asked question. When someone loses a loved one, you know, people start to question things like purpose and what it all means. Right? Exactly. Said Debbie. I mean, why would God do this to me? What have I done to deserve this? Then I wonder, is this all there is? I mean, one minute you can be here and one minute. You're not, you know what I mean? Well, you've asked several questions there. I'm going to try to help you answer them, but first, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am, she said firmly. Good, then you'll appreciate what I have to say then. First, we'll start with God's will. Sometimes it can be a mystery. It's that simple. Men have studied the Bible for centuries, and although they totally know things about God, they don't know everything about God. Take heaven, for example. We know there's a heaven because it's sort of described in the Bible, but we don't know exactly what it's like. Eventually, hopefully, we'll know. God's will is the same. Eventually, you'll feel in your heart that you know a reason for all of this. His will will eventually be revealed to you. Debbie didn't respond. She simply sat, thinking about the comments that had just been made. Sloan gave her a couple of minutes to respond, and when she didn't, he jumped in. "'The other big word that comes up when someone loses a loved one is being sensed here,' he said. "'What word is that?' asked Debbie. "'The D word—doubt.'" Debbie shrugged her shoulders. Deep down, she did doubt. She knew it, too. She also knew that Christians shouldn't, but she did sloan uncrossed his legs and leaned forward making a steeple with his fingers where did you get your personality from debbie didn't answer it was one of those think about it questions that don't require an answer not just yet anyway do you know the difference between right and wrong that one she felt obligated to nod that she did where did that come from he continued And before Debbie could say anything, he answered for her. There's only one possibility. I think you know what it is. God, she said. Once you truly believe, you don't doubt anymore, he said. He leaned back on the couch and crossed his legs again. His arms were now folded across his chest in triumph. Mission accomplished. Are you saying I don't believe? If you were 100% sure, would you doubt? I think not. He said, I see your point. She said, it's really like I mentioned a few minutes ago. We can know what the truth is without knowing every little detail of the truth. I should just accept this asked Debbie, he looked at her sternly. What choice do you have? Well, I guess my choices are either to accept it and move on, or not, and, and what, he asked. Finish your thought, and be miserable, I guess. Exactly, said Sloane. He leaned forward again. You see, Debbie, it's all about darkness and light. The first thing that popped into Debbie's mind was that crazy dream she would have from time to time, The dark dream that put her in a place that words couldn't seem to quite describe. It was a place where she was looking for something, but what? One thing was certain, telling Sloane about that dream wasn't going to happen. The only people that knew were her and Nathan. She thought it best that it stay that way. I'm in a dark place now, aren't I? She asked. Yes, you certainly are, said Sloane. You need to move toward the light. The light is God. If you focus yourself in that direction, things will get better, Debbie. You promise, she asked. Don't need to, he said. You know one of the very first things God did. Debbie thought back to what little she knew about the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth. That was the first thing that came to her mind, so she said it. Yes, said Sloan. Then he separated the dark from the light. He saw the light and that it was good. So he separated it from the darkness. Debbie sat, thought, then nodded. I need to get out of this rut. Go back to school, maybe? It would be a start, said Sloan. You know, I knew we were going to get around to that subject at some point today. Well, you brought it up, he said. I know. How'd you do that anyway? I didn't do anything, he said. Debbie was beginning to feel at ease as she continued to talk to Sloan. They talked about the relationship with Nathan and what it was going to be like living with the Calhouns. They also talked about Debbie's money and what she planned to do once she graduated from high school college. And all things positive dominated their talk for the rest of the hour that she spent with him. She'd come in with the gloom of death surrounding her like an aura of blacks and dark grays. She left with the positive feelings of hope and plans for the future. She left Sloan's office thinking about the light. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Darkest, Darker, Dark. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.